Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers animated podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. And I'm David. And today we are looking at the first post-premiere uh, episode of Transformers Animated, Home is Where the Spark Is. First aired January 5th, 2008. And written by Michael Ryan. Who, this is his first Transformers work, but he has done a ton of animation. Aha, uh-huh. like what? Uh, he did a lot of the real adventures of Johnny Quest, oh. including <laughs> oh. what appears to be all the episodes with Ezekiel Rage. Who was that oh. series' best recurring villain? The Book of Rage! <laughs> well, he's most entertaining compared to the rest of the show, which is really forgettable. As played by a totally insane Michael Bell. Oh, that sounds great. He's, he's like an insane ex-secret agent who's become like a doomsday prophet and wears a Mexican Day of the Dead costume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he kind of looks like he wants to be Scarecrow. Like the the I, the last version of Scarecrow, uh, like the like the Justice the Jeffrey Combs Scarecrow, yeah. Ooh. And yeah, he's he's just Michael Bell talking about things being written in the Book of Rage. <laughs> <laughs> Which oh, didn't that turn out to be like a family photo album or something? Yeah, like it's that? like a yep. He's like always lugging this what appears to be a Bible around that he's referring to as the Book of Rage, and it's a family photo album because I think his. Family was killed in an operation that that he blames on, I think, Race Bannon. I Something mean, like that, that would be the Book of Rage, then, if that's actually his last name and that's his it family. His, his I mean, real name is yeah. Ezekiel Rage. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Do, do not watch Johnny Quest, yeah, but if so you're going to watch he, an episode, watch an Ezekiel Rage episode because they're entertaining. Yeah, and but also they don't have as much of the terrible CG. The, the Rage family photo album. I'm sure that CG does not hold up and. <laughs> Oh, no. Also, honestly, if you're going to watch Johnny Quest, watch The Venture Brothers. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watch the original. The original's kind of... Yeah. Anyway, he uh, also wrote a bunch of the... Not the current Ninja Turtles show, but the one before that. Oh, uh, okay. A uh, bunch of Avengers, Earth Mightiest Heroes, and uh, a bunch of Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. And he also wrote that uh, Scooby-Doo WrestleMania thing. Oh, oh what? He's the one who wrote. Oh, I can handle this. I speak masked luchador. Yes. <laughs> Scooby Doo WrestleMania mystery, which is, I think, only the first Scooby Doo wrestling crossover because, or no, sorry, the first uh, Hanna Barbera wrestling crossover because there is a subsequent one with the Flintstones, and then a third what? one, which was kind of a wacky races kind of thing. Oh, that that sounds pretty good, actually. Wait, did it did it have Undertaker driving a giant monster truck? I would think he would drive like a hearse. Uh, well, no, he should maybe drive a, a monster, monster truck, truck a that's digger. built on a hearse or with a hearse body. I mean, I guess they've probably got him on a motorcycle. Come to think of it. <laughs> no, they don't want to remind people of that era. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And that was another Scooby-Doo thing, even though it was a race. It was originally planned as a uh, Wacky Races thing, but they decided they wanted to switch it to Scooby-Doo because they thought it would sell better that way. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how much cachet the Wacky Races have. <laughs> and then they're working on a uh, Jetsons one. Oh, oh man, future wrestling. And, that... and crazy retro future. <laughs> so this guy wrote the joke of... During the time when WWE was doing like a multi-line, 
year-long storyline of John Cena feuding with The Rock. The Scooby-Doo gang being chased by a runaway boulder and then jumping in from out of nowhere, his theme song blaring John Cena coming in to stop The Rock. Sounds fantastic. What the hell? And we get, it's not quite a cold open. A James Bond cold open. Wait, is that before the yeah. opening animation? It's I not forget. before the opening credits. Okay. It is before the opening credits in Bond movies, but it's it's an action vignette that's not really related to the rest of the show. Yeah. yeah. Well, the the yeah. the opening animation. Have we really talked about it in previous episodes? Uh, we haven't really talked about it. No. It's good. It is pretty yeah. good. Yeah. And uh, and it, it, there are multiple versions of it, but the version here is like it's overlays of a short animated sequence that runs through a tunnel spotlighting each character before it shows some Decepticons and other things. And it has possibly more than one, at least one specific reference to the Mighty Orbots opening. (laughs) Because it it has Bulkhead sitting down and just dumping something into his big opening mouth like, um, oh, I forget, was it Gort that does it in Mighty Orbots? One of the robots. There, there's a fat purple robot that has a jaw like Bulkhead in Mighty Orbots. Ah, uh, man. I know references. of the Mighty Orbots. Yeah, it's short. It's all on the internet somewhere to watch. Oh, because I, I don't. I forget if it was ever actually released on video in any form. We'll have to. May that may have to be one of our uh, you know between seasons uh, episodes. Oh yes. Ooh. I mean. I'm I'm pretty sure I have seen Derek Wyatt talking about it, so it's not oh, yeah. unreasonable to say that it's an influence. Yeah, he, he's a fan because it was well, it's it was an American version of oh I forget what anime, God Mars or something. There was the toys for the robots that was in Japan. It was an entirely different show, and then they made 13 new episodes of Mighty Orbots. It was in Completely different show, recolored the robots, and they were going to have actual toys that never actually came out. And it was directed by Osamu Dezaki, who's one of the best directors ever. Yeah. Which is probably why Derek Wyatt likes it, because it's, it's an animation classic that is forgotten because nobody saw it when it was originally on. <laughs> Anywho, into the cold opens. Yes, and we get, this is the first of several uh, costumed supervillains we get in this series. It is the Angry Archer. Oh, yes! This is the best. He's pretty great. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's another digression here. This is a digression-filled episode, because he's named after an actual Hasbro employee. And he and designed like... after. Yes, like the Transformers guy, Aaron Archer. Mm-hmm. You can... At- like, without context, you could see this guy and tell, yeah, he's supposed to be Aaron Archer. And it, <laughs> according to the AllSpark Almanac, 
His full name is Aaron A. Archer in universe. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's Aaron Archer without a beard. I think he goes mostly bearded now. I I, I, I do. He does, he does, bearded he does, time, I, hmm. I I do want to want to make yeah. I don't think he had a beard at the time. Uh, also, he did not. This, this reminds me, and and I don't know if this is something that that Alex heard too, but uh, one one of these botcon hangings out I did. Uh, Aaron Archer was talking about how on his Takara like badge for when he's in Japan. It actually has his name, his last name, like literally as the Japanese word for archer. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like just, you know, katakana. It's just actually the Japanese word for archer. So they translated his last name. When you got a useful name like that, it's, it's, it's like an activity. Although sadly, uh, Aaron Archer does not talk like this. <laughs> no. Is it Jeff Bennett? It is Jeff Bennett doing his it's voice for very uh, Lord Bennett. Bravery. Yep. Yes. Oh, it's so hammy, so good. <laughs> because he is he has an English accent and he talks in fake old English. And he has a robot arm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And he has his own um mandolin theme music. <laughs> yes. Or no, no apparently the wiki's telling me it's a harpsichord. Right. Oh, and that is sort of a, a theme with uh, with the villains, the the human villains, is that they do tend to have some sort of technological hook to them, mm-hmm. which you know at least fits the the setting and the whole thing that there are robots. Because he is otherwise dressed like Robin Hood, <laughs> like yeah. the most. Generic Robin Hood looking Robin Hood you can think of. It's great. Except he has a, a bow or a, a quiver full of, full of green arrow style high tech arrows. Yes. I love that instead of boxing glove arrows, he has ones that just turn into duplicates of his robot arm. Yes. <laughs> yes. Got like grappling lines, he's got laser arrows, he's got grenade arrows. Yeah. Totally normal things, like normal people have. His quiver has a glider built into it. Yeah, like you do. So he is—he's robbing—he's robbing an armored car in the middle of the night. Uh, escapes with sad with a bunch of dollar bill bags, <laughs> and uh, then because he uh, obviously assumes that he would escape, he can escape on this passing fire truck. Because the police would never stop a fire truck. <laughs> or as he says, uh, ah, victory is mine. Yon police would ne'er stop a fire truck from speeding to an emergency. Yes. Unfortunately, he is the emergency. Yes. Yes. And the as fire truck Optimus is Prime Optimus Prime. Prime. Oops. Which, yeah, again, I don't even know why I didn't mention this before with the influence from previous series. Uh, Optimus Prime being a fire truck was really only in uh, Robots in Disguise. He's kind of a fire truck-ish in Cybertron. Yeah, he's definitely a fire truck in Cybertron. A, yeah, it has okay, stuff that's yeah, supposed yeah. to be a ladder and supposed to be water cannons, even though they both are just giant fuck-off missile launchers. Yes. <laughs> and also, uh, Laser Rod Optimus Prime was a fire truck of sorts. Yes, he was a truck who brought fire to force. <laughs> yes. Ah, I love that. I love that so much. It's coming back. Yes, it's the best part. 
So Prime, unsurprisingly, makes pretty short work of uh, Angry Archer. And we, we cut to Prowl, who is in a park watching a cat. I yes. love this Hanging cut. upside down. And we start is... with him right side up. Yes. Going in past the branch until we see a bird that is apparently hanging upside down off from the branch. And then the camera spins 180 and it's just such a good little weird touch. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess we could uh, now note that this is the this is not animated by the same studio that animated the pilot. Uh, this is the Answer Studio. Oh. Okay. Uh, they uh, they were they were founded as Topcraft in 1971, and they collaborated with Rankin Bass on uh, the Hobbit, uh, the Flight <gasps> of Dragons, and the Last Unicorn. Oh, oh man. Oh. And then a bunch of their talent left in 86 to form Studio Ghibli. And so the uh, rest kept working with Rankin Bass, and they made, like, Thundercats and Silverhawks. Oh, boy. Uh, Neat. Then they were bought by Disney, and they worked on, like, Gargoyles and Aladdin the series. Oh, uh, well. Bless you. Yeah, Aladdin's kind of the dark. And then Disney ended their foreign studios, and then, they, and then the people from that studio then f- formed the Answer Studio. Oh. So they've also made, they have also worked on uh, Super Robot Monkey Team Hyperforce Go. Oh, which Ooh. is such a weird show. And uh, Batman Under the Red Hood. Yeah. But was it as weird as Captain Simeon and the Space Monkeys? <laughs> Captain Simeon and the Space Monkeys was a weirder concept, but Super Robot Team Hyperforce Monkey Go, it, it was... The animation quality was done in a style that was, like, really, really old and retro and shit. Like, stiff. Like, it wasn't done the right amount of animation frames. So it looked like mm-hmm. it was from the 40s or something. Oh. <laughs> it was entertaining, and, and it had Mark Hamill as a villain, so, you know. Ooh, something that's always nice. Or, or was he a well, hero? That's what you want. I can't remember. Yeah. Is he the Skeleton King or something like that? I don't know. That sounds right. So yeah, and this is a specific, specifically the cat uh, Skippy, uh, who was owned by uh, Transformers animated character designer Brienne Duhard. I believe that cat did it just die? Yeah, last month. Aww. Last month. So Aww. at least cat over ten years old. Yeah. It's pretty good. And it was immortalized in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, it, it makes a return appearance. Yes. Kitty. Cute it is an adorable cat, and it is stalking a bird. But uh, before it can actually, you know, catch and devour this bird, a bunch of people come and start hassling Prowl, which he does not care for. Yes, because the bad thing about not being in disguise is that, for instance, people will come and take pictures of you. Yes. And just bother you. You, I mean, you are... Functionally a gigantic celebrity. Yes, literally a gigantic celebrity. Well, yes, Huge. in stature, by which I mean you you are very physically visible to anyone who feels like coming and bothering you, which just makes it worse. Although, even if he was just in disguise, people would probably notice a motorcycle hanging from this tree. That's, that's true, that's true. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess there's the whole side about how you just can't go out in public... And, and hang upside down from trees. So he just goes back to base. There, the other Autobots oh. are putting in a, a huge TV. 
I have to note, one of the human kid extras who spots him is wearing orange Bret Hart sunglasses. (laughs) (laughs) And another just has a translucent orange rectangle in front of their face. So, you know, future sunglasses. Like you do. Yeah. Yeah, Prowl, you know, all the other Autobots seem to like being famous, but uh, Prowl does not, so he just goes to his room. And uh, it's kind of interesting. We don't get to see the personal quarters of a lot of Transformers? No. Yeah. Well, I mean, apart from Beast Wars, they don't often have them. Yes. And so he's just got like a... There's some Japanese themed decorations. He's got a tree growing out through the ceiling. He's got a hang in there, baby cat poster. Uh, Hang in there, baby. A dog. Keep your chin up, and it's a puppy. I mean, you wouldn't want to get sued by those cat post people. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently. But, but yes, uh, Optimus asks him if he wouldn't rather have a room with a a ceiling. And he's like, no, I'm... But let me tell you about how awesome animals are. I saw this cat. It was going to eat a bird. It was amazing. And, I mean, you know, know, we saw what happened, but to Prime, this probably sounds like he's a crazy person. (laughs) <laughs> that really sounds to Bumblebee like he's a crazy person Yeah, Bumblebee just yeah. butts in He's very vocal about it I really like how Bumblebee is just Kind of An idiot dick Frequently in this show <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah like, he's, It's like hmm. Hotshot, but if Hotshot wasn't Trying so hard to be like A big goody-goody Like if he was just cool with being A dumbass like, there's just a meanness to Bumblebee that I appreciate. I, I th- I'm not sure it's a meanness. I'm sure it's, it's a more of a childishness. Like, he he does enjoy poking yeah. uh, mostly Prowl, but some of the other Autobots, too. Yeah. Like, he loves being Prowl's annoying little brother. Yeah. Yes. Like, how, how Cheetor was kind of a kid, but not really. He was just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, Bumblebee is more of an actual kid. Yeah, and he has the, the sort of maliciousness that, like, the thoughtless maliciousness that a child has that I appreciate. Yes. No, I'm just going to break this because it displeases me. <laughs> <laughs> I bet I'm going to laugh about it. Anyway, speaking of childishness, uh, Sari is trying to get in oh. to talk to her dad, who's uh, been I locked up. Oh. One thing before that. There- in the establishing shot of them putting up the TV, there's a really prominent exit 225 road sign. Mm-hmm. Does that have any kind of meaning to it? I don't well, think so. Uh, I'm only really familiar with, what is it, 75 going through there, which which I do know has uh, exit 69, which is Big Beaver Road. Which <laughs> oh, I'm sure that gets stolen constantly. <laughs> Which is hilarious when you're 18. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm not sure, uh, whether that's a, a Detroit thing. It would, it would definitely be one of the other highways and not the only one I was ever really on. I, it's, it's not in this episode, but I think eventually we do see a, a sign in, uh, in the Abba base directing people to the, uh, Detroit Olympia, which was the arena, the, Red Wings used to play in before they built uh, Joe Lewis. Ooh. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, sorry he's trying to get in there. 
because some DAC has, I guess, been in there for days. Yeah. Sleeping and or worried eating. about worried about her dad. Yeah. Aw. So she, you know, she has to. She uses the AllSpark key to get in there. So finally, you know, convinces him to get out because he hasn't sleep slept or you know he asked. She asked when the last time he ate was, and he has to ask what day it is. Aww. Yeah. Same. And then eventually he does decide to maybe get maybe just an apple or maybe a cheese omelet, which makes me feel like a cheese omelet. Mm, Yeah. Wow. That's not fair, man. It's not even fair. Uh, But unfortunately, as they leave, some of that residual energy activates the world's biggest paperweight, by which I mean Megatron's head. Oh, no. Also, giving giving a, a mischievous small girl a basically, like, magical lockpick is not the best idea, I would think. Oh, no, we're going to find out. That's a very bad idea. Sorry, yeah. your casual use of the god key will doom us all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, it's pretty much just Hez. Because Megatron has woken up. Yes, he still functions <gasps> to the, thanks to the power of static electricity. Like, why is that door sparking that much? And he kind of sounds like Max Headroom. Yeah. <laughs> yes. oh. when, it, when he's first coming up, it's like that, yeah. And he gets some really of, cool energy crackling around him. Yeah. Speaking of the world's largest paperweight, for a project when I was in school... We were designing things that we would eventually get a sand cast at a local foundry. Mm-hmm. And I made this version of Megatron's head. <laughs> oh, neat. Nice. It is a cool-looking disembodied head. Yes. As disembodied head go- heads go, this is pretty good. Half of his face is gone, and he has no jaw, I, I don't think. Yeah, so he kind of looks like um, Straxus's head, sort of. It is a little Straxus. Yeah. I was going to say, this is uh, kind of a, a Derek Yanniger level of... of dismembered head going. Yeah. It's good. I like it. Hmm. And uh, although at, at least, despite him not having a uh, jaw, we are still getting the dulcet tones of Corey Burton doing his Megatron voice. Yes, it's a good voice. Which is excellent. Yes. So he, he you know, hacks into the uh, hacks into the internet, finds out what's uh, what's going on, pulls up video footage of the Autobots and Starscream fighting, in which Starscream admits that he betrayed Megatron. <laughs> lol, 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 lol. Yes, this is hilarious. And of course, he can't do anything about it because he is just ahead. Also, Starscream admitting that he betrayed Unicron, Unicron Megatron is one of those like conveniently well-edited uh, <laughs> the surveillance camera things where it's, you know just an actual clip from the previous episode, but played as if it's surveillance footage. Yeah, that that, that TV uh, news crew really caught those uh, <laughs> internal struggles between Autobot and Decepticon. Yes. I just said that never ceases to bug me. <laughs> well, it's like that uh, that uh, Heart, of, Heart of Ice uh, Batman the Animated Series episode where there's surveillance footage of... Uh, Mr. Freeze becoming Mr. Freeze, and it cuts like three times to different <laughs> camera angles. Yes. <laughs> Who's working this camera? Seriously. Why? Why? Why do they do this to me? 
However, because Megatron, he, well, he has no body and he has like one hand, which probably isn't even hooked up to him. But because all these robots were made using his technology, he can control them. <gasps> That's convenient. And so he seizes control of one of Sundak's pocket bots, which I don't know what these things are even for. I, they're itty bitty like palm sized things with four legs and one eye. Maybe they're just kids' toys. Well, they've got like lasers though. It's gonna go the opposite. I was gonna say they were for like. Uh maintenance duties in spaces too small for humans to get into. Oh, well, yeah. that makes sense. Maybe. I mean, I to be they're like fair, assassination bots. This is, this is Isaac Sumdak here, so they're really just because he can. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is his personal lab, and like, I'm going to give Megatron being able to control this thing partial credit to him being, like, tapped into the local network for Isaac to try to poke at him, but, oh no, it's backfiring. <laughs> and they also note later in the episode that they have biological characteristics. Yeah. Yeah. What? Is yeah. This related to the cockroach project? That's what I'm thinking. Because this is it. Kind of like bug legs, and the the animation on the legs is very insect. Yeah, it's a very bug-like little critter. And uh, as we're going to learn eventually, it makes sense for some deck to be working on stuff that merges technology with organics. <gasps> oh, Isaac, why do you do these things? So yeah, Sari has uh, she has prevented the tutor bot. She's you know made it go haywire when it was trying to teach her the quadratic equation, which you have my full sympathy, Sari. <laughs> she is heading That's off to the. Autobot base for a slumber party. Yay! Which sadly doesn't involve, like, doing anybody's nails or anything, but I suppose that's okay. I mean, they don't really have any nails. No. I mean, it is an abandoned factory. I'm sure there's nails laying around somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm... Who wants tetanus? Who me? And, of course, Megatron sends... Uh, he uses one of these pocket bots to stow away in her backpack. Because he knows the Allspark is nearby. I, I Real really nearby. Quote from Megatron. Yes. Yeah, of him just being stuck, being ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's a really good way of turning him into a creeping threat in the background instead of him being super powerful and a constant threat. Yes, and it, it's going to pay off. Spoilers when he does become a physical threat. It's that much. It has that much more of an impact because he's just been this inanimate object for the whole season. Yeah, and suddenly he's like a, a dude with legs and stuff. <laughs> uh, so yeah, at the so back at the base, uh, you know, and before this, Sumdak notes that uh, funny he he, never, he could never get those pocket bots to work. He must have uh, fixed he must have d- fixed them in his sleep. <laughs> yeah, like and you one do. of them's missing. Oh, well. Well. <laughs> Time for that omelet. Yeah. So we cut back to the Autobot base. Prowl is sitting there enjoying watching Planet Earth with David Catenborough. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, Bumblebee does not care for Nature Documentary, so he changes it to the music and light pattern channel. <laughs> it's my favorite. And so Prowl becomes a cat. Oh, 
Man, if only he did, though. I mean, of the Autobots in this episode, he's, he's, he strikes me as the most likely to have a fursona. <laughs> I guess that's true. Except his would probably be a wolf. Let's be uh, honest. Maybe a cat wolf. wolf and cat. he would be one of those people who doesn't realize that lone wolves are just like the, the rejects of their pack that are probably going to die <laughs> soon. <laughs> well, obviously, he's never seen the end of any of these nature shows. Bumble keeps changing the channel on him. That's true. That's a good point. And uh, so, yeah, later Bumblebee and Bulkhead are playing Twister. Is Twister made by Hasbro? I was uh, wondering that. I'm pretty sure it is because, like, Parker Brothers and Milton Bradley and all them got kind of consolidated under Hasbro at one point. Or am I wrong? Yeah, let's see. Produced by Milton Bradley and Milton Bradley owned by Hasbro. Taken over oh. by Hasbro in 1984. Another fine Hasbro product. Yay! Oh. Twister just makes me think of Bill Paxton. Oh, jeez, I'm sad. And it's, it's been like weeks ago for you people, so now you're sad again. Yeah. Yeah, but it's today for us. Uh. <sighs> Sorry for the downer. Sleepovers and games! Yay! Oh Sleepover. man, and Philip Seymour Hoffman's in that movie too. That's gonna be super depressing. Oh. <laughs> He's the dust man. Uh. So, you know, don't don't make any long-term plans, Carrie Elwes. Oh. Don't, don't, don't tempt Can't fate. Do uh. It's too All much. Right. So, yeah, they, they're, they're playing Twister. Prowl is very good at Twister. Yeah. Because he's, he's, he's a ninja. ninja. Ninjas will be amazing at, uh, at uh, Twister. And Bumblebee's like, come back, you won. But, like, if he left, he clearly didn't win, because that's not how you win Twister. Yeah, no. <laughs> Wait, how do you win Twister? You be the last one who doesn't screw up and fall down. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, doing three moves in one turn on your turn, that's not winning. That's dumb. That's just a joining game in progress. Yeah. It's like future <laughs> Twister. Maybe the rules are different. Yeah. Uh, maybe. So when does it get to the part where the Autobots make out? <laughs> Well, uh, we did get a letter. We did get a tweet about that uh, from last week, so I'm going to leave that <laughs> yeah. one up to Jen. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. That's coming. It's, you know, it's between scenes. Uh, I'm going to say it's uh, Prowl and Bumblebee this time. I guess. Yeah, out of the bots you have here, those, are, I guess, are the only ones you would ship? That could yeah. be interesting. Out of the base group? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the joke is more that's what Twister's for, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Anyway, Megatron's watching all this and is all, oh my god, these idiots. How could they have the AllSpark? <laughs> Which, honestly, I mean, can you, can you blame them? Yeah. And as so, it turns out, as Megatron's searching their base looking for it, I'm going to assume they put it back on the ship for safekeeping, which, good. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Don't keep it here. Although I guess it's unattended there, which is bad, but... We don't have any Decepticons who can turn to boats yet, so we're okay. No. And also, yeah. they have relatively good automated warning systems on that ship. Yes. Yeah. Well, as we're going to find out, they have pretty good motion sensors. <laughs> so, yeah, it's nighttime. Sorry is telling spooky stories, even though the Autobots do not seem to have any concept of spookiness. No. Which you'd think they would, because, you know, in most other ways, they are emotionally and psychologically like humans. I mean, I guess they maybe they don't have a great concept of the supernatural. 
Maybe. Maybe. And they probably don't have much exposure to the kind of tropes I assume Sari is leaning on. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. What's a mansion? <laughs> what is a ghost? Depending on the series, what is night? <laughs> also that. Alternately, what is day? <laughs> <laughs> Why would they be scared of the dark? Can't they just turn on their night vision sensors? <laughs> Anyway, she does manage to spook them by using her terrifyingly powerful uh, arcane artifact for some spooky pranks. Yes, which is great. Yeah. It's not I, not the wisest person to give this to. I love that it's only Bumblebee who freaks out. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, even Bulkhead, who we, we think it might be a guy who would be scared by this, and I'm not really that scared. But Megatron will show you the meaning of true fear. Oh, God, that... Such a good villain. <laughs> yeah, he's good at it. And so he decided, you know, I can't find the Allspark. I'm just going to kill everybody. So he uh, takes I mean, control of all the assembly line stuff. stuff. Yes. So yeah, we got a bunch of bunch of metal claws. Got a bunch of rivet guns. Uh, Prime gets trapped by a big electromagnet. Uh, Bulkhead gets trapped by like a, a I guess it's a die press. Uh. Something it must like be, yeah, or whatever that thing was at the end of Terminator. This is not, this is not that realistic of factory equipment. No, it, it, is. It, it is. It is definitely that thing that uh, Sarah Connor uses at the end of Terminator. <laughs> yeah. but, but the end, the, the whole setup is like Megatron is the ghost in the machine playing Marvel's arcade. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then in a bit that I that I thought was neat, uh, they use a, like a blowtorch, like an automated blowtorch, and a bunch of gas canisters to use as missiles against Ratchet. Oh, yeah, that was neat. Although, they make I, missile noises. Although, I'm not exactly sure, like, the way, like, it's a thing that gets used in movies sometimes, but usually you're breaking off the nozzle end and having it mm-hmm. fly. It, this is doing it the other way around. Yeah, I'm not sure how that works, but... Like breaking uh, off the butt end of a gas tank? Future technology. In the future, this is how things will work. And Uh, this is hooked up to the uh, motion sensors that they use for security, so which are represented here by a bunch of uh, pink laser beams, which looks nice uh, visually. Yeah, and I love how much they play with character designs, especially bumblebees for kind of action beats. Down to this looks like a job for wheels on heels. Yes, he uses his all four of his wheels in robot mode to drive around on his back. Yeah, it's always neat when you get that sort of thing, as yes. long as it's not super weird and creepy, like yeah. somebody's door turning into an arm or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there was actually like a uh, juvenile large-scale toy of Bumblebee that could do that, but couldn't actually transform. I think that I think you're right. Huh. Also, I I love how Megatron singles out insulting Bulkhead for being an idiot. Yes. <laughs> oh. uh, so, yeah, every, everybody is trapped except for Bumblebee, so Bumblebee must be guided through stillness and striking by Prowl. Yeah. Good luck, Prowl. Well, yeah, because Prowl almost makes it to shut off the console by starting and stopping with the motion sensors, but of course Megatron's got the little drone there. It can see him before he gets there. Yes. Yeah, which does make me wonder whether Megatron is controlling these things or commanding them. 
I think when he used the bot to drill into the machines, he kind of reprogrammed them. Okay. He has like a degree of control over maybe one of them. I'm probably giving it too much credit for (laughs) a bot, but... Because, yeah, they they rely on motion sensors, but... I mean, I guess also possible... Well, no, he's got his little bot that tells him where things are, so he can see it. But, yeah, it's... I don't know. I'm thinking too hard. My thought is that they're mostly animated, but he can seize control. Just because there's so many of them, he couldn't control all those on his own. Plus, he's remote desktoping into another robot, which is remote desktoping into the factory controls. Yes. So, lag on that must be awful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not great. Not great. It's the future. They've got great Wi-Fi. (laughs) Exactly. But shockingly, Bumblebee does actually manage enough, manage to listen to Prowl for long enough to get to this control panel and destroy it. Good job. Good job, Bumblebee. But Megatron is not a good winner. (laughs) And so he just cracks open a fuel tank, sets it on fire, but the Autobots huck it into the sky where it blows up. And gasoline only works like that because this is TV. Yeah, it's like... The, it should have already exploded because it's the fumes that explode, not the liquid that explodes. And it was already close enough, and, and they throw it in the sky, and it follows the thing. Optimus has fire retardant foam! It, this is very much John McClane blowing up an airliner with his Zippo lighter in <laughs> Die Hard 2. Yeah. It, it just... Okay, sorry. Headset went down without warning. No, I thought, oh, good, I was worried that was just me. No. <laughs> I knew exactly what it was because I know what that sound means. <laughs> it means the batteries are dead. When you hear the tone, turn the page. <laughs> oh. So it's an action scene that looks neat but makes no sense because physics. Soundwave, you blundering, tape-filled idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Why is tape-filled in <laughs> So random and specific. Also, why is Megatron Mumra? <laughs> well, yes, that too. But this is Stasis Pod, the G1 storybook podcast. <laughs> Man, I actually think I have a copy missiles. of uh, Jaws of Doom hanging around here somewhere. Hour missiles. Hour missiles. I had an hour missiles moment earlier this week. <laughs> oh, identifying them via tfu.info? Yes, our good Ooh, friends at yeah. tfu.info, where Ooh. I use quite a lot for identifying parts to things I'm putting on eBay. So, yeah, the the day is saved, and they, they do manage to spot this uh, scampering little pocket bot. But it does give them the slip. But luckily, Bulkhead has caught it. But unfortunately, uh, Bulkhead has caught it. <laughs> and Aww. crushed it into a fine powder. Poor guy. It's, Can't help it's it. It's not his fault his hands are giant clamps. Yeah. And he does have a, a good line earlier about how, uh, you know, he has a sense, you know, he's not all about the wrecking stuff. He has a sensitive side. But wrecking, you know, wrecking stuff, stuff is kind of fun. Because <laughs> yes, apparently when people would, would run into him, they would want him to break things. Which is pretty adorable. <laughs> oh, my God, oh, my God, bulkhead. Uh, break my car. Which... <laughs> <laughs> It does seem like the functionalists would say, oh, you just smash stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You'd never be a space bridge expert. 
So Megatron is, uh, he is unhappy, but uh, he's decided, uh, you know, maybe I'm going to uh, tell something, maybe I'm going to give Sumdak a little more, and, uh, you know, give give a little more, maybe I'll get a little more, like, you know, a torso, <laughs> and some limbs. Those, those might be helpful. Yes. And back at the base, everybody is friends again, and... Prowl is teaching Bumblebee to play Fuser Twister. Yes. Again, like I said, best ship for this episode. It, the, the scene does seem to, like, end before a punchline or something. Like, it's weird. It just stops. It does seem to be missing a super friends, there's a joke, and then everybody laughs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, uh, yeah, that is Home is Where the Spark is. It's, it's a lot of fun. It Sets, it sort of helps set up the status quo with Megatron being awake. And being controlling some of the stuff going on at some tech systems in the background. Mm. Yeah, being inanimate but super dangerous. Yes. yes. And also giving us, uh, you know, some good, uh, <clears throat> good character moments with the, uh, with the Autobot cast. Yeah. Mm. So that, uh, that should do it for, uh, for Home is Where the Spark is, but please join us next time when we experience a total meltdown. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, creepy human villains. Oh, creepy human <laughs> villains played by, scan- played by Scandinavian character actors. <laughs> yes. The best. The best. But, of course, until then, you can find us all over the Internet. We are on uh, Twitter, we are on Tumblr, and we are on Facebook. And we are hosted by IaconUnderground.net, uh, where we currently have Amazon affiliate links set up to help support us, and also Patreon at patreon.com slash IaconUnderground. Uh, we appreciate any help with our hosting fees and upgrading equipment and that sort of thing. And uh, you can find us on both iTunes and on Google Play, wherever you prefer to get your, uh, uh, your podcasts. And while doing so... Uh Make sure you rate and review us. We'd really appreciate it. They like it when you do that kind of thing. They do. It helps our rating or something that I'm not 100% <laughs> familiar with. Algorithms. Algorithms. It makes us show up better in searches. Yes. So other people can find it more easily. And yes. you know what? Word of mouth works great, too. If you have some friends who are in Transformers, tell us about them. Or tell right. them about us. Tell you us about also them, tell too. us about them by writing into the Maxim Mailbag at Stasis Podcast at gmail.com So, until next time I'm Rob I'm Jen I'm Alex And I'm David Okay
Did anyone ever play the animated game? I, I did not. What was that for? DS. DS? Yeah, the DS. I, I, I had a flash card at the time, so I played some of them. Ah. Ah. Because the commercial was at the beginning of the, when I stuck it the DVD. And it was odd because it was Richard Epcar talking about it. I was like, wait, what? he isn't an animated? What the hell is he doing here? <laughs> uh, he was on um, Robots in Disguise. I, I had a uh, I had an urge for some Macross the other day because I was giving myself Cam Clark feels, <laughs> and and that also had some Richard Epcar. Yeah, he should. Well, every time I hear Richard Epcar's voice, I want to watch Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> or at least that's yeah, always the first yeah. thing that pops into my head. Then there, well, there's also Lupin or Robotech, but mostly just because I like Bato Ghost in the Shell. Well, good news. In a couple months, you'll be able to uh, watch a movie that's basically just that show. Well, that movie, <laughs> it, it, it's amazingly, it looks like it's just the original movie, which was the original manga. And it's, uh, it's got Perceptor in it. <laughs> no, uh, you saw the thing I posted, yeah. right? Yeah, you did. Pretty much. Well, the, that kind of Ninjika-looking thing. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> it's Perceptor. Okay, so the uh, Transformers animated DS game. Uh-huh. Okay. A, it's kind of like an alternate plotline version of Season 2. Oh. And B, it's basically the Lost Vikings, but not as <laughs> oh. well as that. I thought it was more of a racing oh. game. They had some intermittent driving sequences that weren't oh. the bulk of the game. Oh, hey, Jackie Chan got an award. Neat. Lifetime, I achievement, lifetime thing? achievement, I yeah. think. Aw, that's cool. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. 